0: Welcome to Mind Love, episode 149. Today's episode is all about connecting to your body.
1: The mantra that I have every single time I go on Instagram is, I'm a creator, not a consumer. I try and do a really good job of not consuming because I can I can notice that. And as soon as I'm in that vibration of just consumption, my my energy is just like, I'm like, oh, I'm not doing enough or I should be doing this. Or, oh, like, look at that amazing thing. Like, why didn't I think about that? And then it's like, that's crazy because then I'm not listening to the voice. I'm just so caught up in the noise. And I think to your point, it's like this: we're seeing this in children, but we're also seeing this with like our generation and and like, you know, our our friends and people like our age of like the lack of connection to self, the lack of connection to the sense of self because we are just so in our phones and looking outside for the answers and all that kind of stuff. And it's cliche to say, but everything is within. Like when we drop the noise and we listen to the voice, it's like, that's all there is, is just truth. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's
0: time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monty. Hi, friends. First of all, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you're always updated about new episodes. Plus, you want to know basically the best way to give back to your favorite podcasts? Actually, go to the iTunes app and leave a five-star review. Reviews are scientifically proven to make me love you more. That's just how it is. I love you when you leave me a review. You sit in my heart for days at a time. No, but seriously, they really help the growth of the show. They're probably the number one thing that you can do besides supporting my sponsors or joining the membership. So it's an easy, free way to give back to a podcast you love. And if you do leave me a review, send it to me at mindlovemelissa on Instagram, and I'll send you a free meditation track. But now let's get to the good stuff. I am so excited about today's interview, you guys, but I'll tell you more about why in a minute. First, I have a confession. The last few months, I have had to be so careful about my social media usage. It just became so easy to amplify the habit when most other social options weren't on the table. So I started out with good intentions. I needed to connect for my own health and sanity, right? But that wasn't the only thing going on. In the beginning, I was obsessively checking the climbing numbers. Then I started obsessively scouring for censored information. And it wasn't long before my screen time was embarrassingly high. And honestly, I don't care about it as some arbitrary screen time numbers if it's somehow serving me. But saying that it was would just be a blatant lie. There are so many studies about the negative effects of social media and screen time in general. Comparison, emotional triggers, lack of productivity. For example, did you know it takes more than 23 minutes to refocus every time we check our phones? I don't even need the science to tell me that it's not good, though, because I can feel it in my body. It's like my head feels dense, almost like a really mild headache, and my energy is zapped. I feel this mild depression set in. I have no motivation to do other things. And this all happens for more than one reason. Number one, we're actually allowing ourselves to absorb everyone else's thoughts and feelings, which is exhausting. And two, we're giving ourselves little hits of dopamine every few seconds. So we lose motivation to do hard stuff that doesn't come with a dopamine hit in the first few seconds. And three, We're training our attention spans to be the size of a Tweet or a TikTok video. Our brains are not meant to switch focus that suddenly every day for hours at a time. But probably the most jarring consequence for me, though, is what I call the empathy filter. Have you ever seen that meme that shows two dogs with a glass door between them and they're barking at each other just going apeshit? And then the door starts to open and they just, like, whimper and run in opposite directions? Well, that's how we are with the screens between us. We have these polarizing conversations and we don't see each other's facial expressions or notice body language or feel their emotion or basically just recognize their humanity. And then we feel somehow backed up by our social follower army. And then we become tunnel visioned with our own biases and we end up telling off Sweet Aunt Brenda because she's an anti masker or because she's a sheep and a danger to our freedom. It's crazy, you guys. We're forgetting what makes us human. We're cutting off important people because of their beliefs that, by the way, are shaped by their own unique life experiences that you will never understand. I've actually been on both sides of my current beliefs, not just with what's going on in the world, with just about everything. I think that's bound to happen when your mission is to seek truth or growth or expansion rather than just building up your ego by building up your own biases. But I also think back to the things I've said or thought about those that hold the beliefs that I do now, back before I had these beliefs. And the thing is, I know right now that my intentions are good. I know I'm intelligent. I know I'm just seeking the best for myself and the world, which means likely so were they. We were just misunderstanding each other. So with all the divisiveness, this is what I've been working on the most these days, accepting people and seeing the good in their intentions, no matter what their beliefs. And I found that the best way to do that is to notice when I'm living in my mind, And use that as a trigger to move into my body. So that's what we're talking about today. And like I said in the beginning of this, I am so excited about today's episode. We're talking to my new Instabestie, Sam Skelly. We actually have a lot of mutual friends, but we hadn't met yet. And I noticed that we actually seem to be really aligned with a lot of things. So when we finally connected to Podcast Swap, we just couldn't stop chatting. Samantha Skelly is a seven-figure entrepreneur a speaker, best-selling author, and wellness coaching expert. Her podcast is Hungry for Happiness, and she started her focus on emotional eating and body love and all that good stuff, but then moved into breath work and all the things that have to do with reconnecting to our bodies. She has such a beautiful, authentic energy, and I think you're all going to love her. So three key things we will learn are how stress and trauma disconnect us from our bodies, how to move from the mind and into the body, and a powerful breathwork exercise that you can do every day. But before we dive in, do you ever wish you could start each day on a more positive note? Just sign up for the Morning Mind Love for daily inspirational messages right to your inbox. I get messages from people every single day about how the Morning Mind Love is their favorite way to start their day or that the message that came through is exactly what they needed to hear. It's kind of like your own personal inspiration oracle. Just visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. Plus, you'll get some amazing free gifts when you do, like a free guided binaural affirmation meditation designed to rewire your brain to your highest self. And you'll get one of my favorite tools, a booklet of my personal powerless to help you gain clarity and live each day with intention. And it's all completely free. Just go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, text the word morning to 33777. That's morning to 33777. And now let's welcome
1: Sam Skelly to the show. I'm so happy to be here. So happy
0: to have another conversation with you. I know this week has been great. I feel like I've known you for a really long time. So I'm excited (laughs) to bring you on this episode right now. An hour ago, I
1: said to Eric, I'm like, I get to talk to my new friend, Melissa today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I actually texted my friend, Breddy today. And I was like, she listens to podcasts all the time. And I'm like, Hey, have you heard of Sam Skelly? I was like, we connected like, like this week, but I feel like we became, we became Insta besties. So I think you'd really like her energy. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. So good. So what's your story? How did you start to focus on first emotional eating and then kind of transitioning that to breath work?
1: Yeah. So I was a dancer and an actu- a, a child actress growing up. So my whole life was spent on a stage in front of the camera. And I can remember being twelve years old and lying in the bathtub and just I remember like looking down at my at my belly and looking down my body and just deciding in that moment that my body wasn't good enough. And I had this like overwhelming feeling of like not good enoughness, which lasted my like honestly my my entire childhood up until I healed from it, which was about seven years ago. And so it was this it was this feeling of if I'm not at a certain weight or if my body doesn't look a certain way, then I'm not lovable. And when I was growing up, so many the, the way I received love was through the things that I did. Oftentimes, not who I was, or that's how I perceived it to be. Anyways, I came from a very loving family, and still, I hustled for my worth because I thought that I wasn't lovable or valuable if I wasn't performing or doing something or or um, you know putting on a show kind of thing. So when I was eighteen years old, I stopped dancing and I stopped acting, and I entered into what I. I call now my diet depression days where I was for 50 diets in less than four years. And I had the first diet I ever did was the cabbage soup diet. I don't know if you've ever heard of the cabbage
0: soup. I've I- heard of all of them. <laughs> I was on you the be- gummy bear diet for at least three weeks. <laughs> Wait, what is that one? Are you kidding me? It was in college. Apparently <laughs> I read that if you eat gummy bears, because you know they don't really dissolve very well in your digestive system, so they'll just keep you full. So I got Stop. this five-pound bag of Haribo Gold Bears, and I just ate gummy bears. It did not work. I'm gonna. <laughs> no it. way. The things we did. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. There's like the baby
1: the food diet. There's all sorts of things. So the first one I went on was a cabbage soup diet, where you just eat crap loads of cabbage soup and hope for the best. Well, that. Got me into the hospital, I was in the hospital, and I was just malnourished like i didn't i wasn 't giving myself enough enough nutrients and food and so it was the start of like eighteen years old in Australia on a hospital bed was the start of that diet cycle, so that went on for four years of Not knowing how to eat like a normal person, hating my body, not knowing the difference between an emotional hunger cue and a physical hunger cue, only really feeling numbness and anxiety in my body. So it was this entire journey of just being in such a war with myself. And so I was reading about 10 years ago, I was reading Elizabeth Gilbert's Eat, Pray, Love. And I was reading the chapter on when she went to Bali and she got healed by this healer. And so I was like, that's it, that's what I'm going to do. I was like, mom, I'm taking a one-way ticket to Bali. I'm going to go. This this medicine man is going to heal me. <laughs> so I get there and I research and I look in like the lonely planet, which is like, I don't know, this encyclopedia for travel yeah. or whatever. And I was like, okay, where does this guy live? And he was in the lonely planet. So I jumped on a scooter and I went to his house and he like poked me with sticks and basically was like, you think too much, your brain's broken. And I'm like, I know, like, you know when you're in that state of you know disordered eating and body image she's like you get it right it's like just the thoughts are relentless i couldn't stop thinking and calculating food and thoughts of just inner critic thoughts and all that kind of stuff so i was like okay this guy is not telling me anything that i don't know what a waste of time so i went back to the place that i was staying at and tried to attend a meditation class ended up missing the meditation class and sort of accidentally going to a breathwork class. It was the, la- the next class that was on the-, the agenda. I walked up to the class and I-, I walk in and there's this guy dressed in all white and his name is Michael, but he looks exactly like Jesus. So I just called him
0: Jesus. <laughs> He's your Jesus now.
1: <laughs> My Jesus until this day. And he-, he just says to me, he says, you are going to experience sensations in your body that you've never experienced before. And this was at a time, like I said, I only felt anxious and numb. That was it. I'm like, all right, Jesus, let me see what you've got.
0: You're like, are you hitting on me? (laughs) Because I like it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: There's something about this that I like. It's also creepy, but let's just keep going. And you know, it's even more hilarious. It's like, I go into this class and everyone's lying down with like pillows and blankets. Like it looks like an orgy is about to happen, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And it did, but then we got into <laughs> breath work. <laughs> I'm gonna not mention that part of the story, and that's how I healed my eating disorder. The end. <laughs> so I lie down and I started breathing in this way that they instructed, which was just in a circular motion. Within three minutes, my entire body was electric.
0: He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional health on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning
1: I lied down and I started breathing in this way that they instructed, which was just in a circular motion within three minutes, my entire body was electric and it wasn't in a bad way. Like I know what it feels like to feel like so anxious that you feel electric. It wasn't that. It was like this grounded vibration of just pure love, which which was at the time so crazy for me to even consider but I viscerally felt it. So I knew it was real. And then I just kept breathing and breathing and breathing. And I was, I was breathing for three hours. The class was a three hour breathwork class and it felt like it was 15 minutes. And in that time period, in those three hours, I can remember experiencing and processing every emotion that a human being could possibly experience through grief and sadness and anger and, and then joy and bliss and just the highest states of euphoria I could possibly even consider. And so I woke up from the breathwork experience and I was like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I can feel my body. I can feel my sensations. I can feel all of this energy. This is amazing. And so I went home that day and I just started researching like everything I could about breathwork and became obsessed with it and healed myself from my eating disorder through breathwork because I was finally able to connect to my body. I could find my ground. I could find this safety in my body that I couldn't access or find anywhere else in the external world. And I think, you know, it's a lot what's going on right now. It's like we're trying to search for safety and it's just not there. And so during that healing process, I felt safety. I felt the difference between emotional hunger and physical hunger. I felt my intuition. I could feel my heart. I could feel self-love. And when I was so immersed in the experience of being in my body, I was like, there's no way I want to use food as a drug. There's no way I want to overexercise. There's no way I want to put my body through the crap that I've been putting it through. And so that was the beginning of of the journey.
0: That's amazing. I did a breathwork ceremony in a moon circle, actually, Mm a few different times because it was so powerful and it was that same circular breathing. And mm. it was so profound because you breathe into your belly first. And then the second breath was up in the chest area. Yeah. And after doing that, this was only about an hour long, but after doing that for a while, I mean, you start to feel the tingles in your hands and and whatever. Mm. I had these emotional releases. I started crying. I had like kind of visions and, mm-hmm. but the craziest part for me was I all of a sudden felt like a release between the belly and the heart area. And I intuitively understood that as like a heart opening. And it was just, I felt differently for days after that. And I could tell that there was some sort of blockage there. And it just reminds me of how when I'm feeling body shame, and this, I really held this for the whole 10 years I had bulimia. But even now, like when I feel that I'm too bloated or whatever, and I can kind of feel ashamed of my body, it's still, I still have cycles of that. I can feel myself almost hunching. Like I'm like hiding this and some, and by this I'm, I'm pointing to my stomach. Like I'm hiding my whole front side or like just trying to shrink or something. And so a lot of times when I notice that I'm doing that now, I'll just straighten up, put my shoulders back and try to like expand that energy and bring attention. Cause it's like, if I don't want to think about that area, like, you know, I'm closing Mm -hmm myself off in that spot that probably needs love the most at that moment, even from myself. And so how can I just focus it there if that makes sense? Mm. So it's interesting.
1: So that, that place between the belly and the heart, first of all, I love that you're pointing to that because there's actually this, the belly and the heart connection is the source of our divine feminine, So it's like this very watery quality of compassion and nourishment and love and support and just connection. And when we can really focus on Activating our belly, which has so much power in it, and then activating our heart together, we can really tap into this divine, feminine, nurturing nature that we all have. And the sad thing is, is so many, like so many people who struggle with body image issues is to your point, we want to run away, we want to hide our bellies. I can remember just tying sweaters around my belly because I didn't want anyone to see it, even though like I was just like a standard, like little bit chubby kid. Like I, I wasn't fat, but I had such a, there was so much shame around it. Like I would never wear two-piece bikinis. And so really for someone who struggles with that and struggles with body image, just think of yourself as like even placing both hands on the part of your body that you feel the most shame around and just visualize your heart sending love to this part of you and just allowing yourself to just let your belly honestly like hang out. I know that sounds odd, but for women who struggle and men who struggle with body image issues, it's always like,
0: like, I want to suck it all in
1: like okay right and so just like really massaging your belly letting your letting it go having the release and then reconnecting to the power source there it's so incredibly powerful and so that connection that you felt was like a heart opening but also like the activation of this
0: very guttural divine feminine place as well Right. I actually was doing something similar. I need to do it more because it's funny. So many people told me when I became pregnant, like I had a fear of getting pregnant because of all my body image issues in the past. And I'm just like, well, I feel like that's going to bring stuff back up. And Mm -hmm. so many people just, dismiss that or we're like, that's silly. Don't even think about that. Oh my gosh. You will not think about that when you're pregnant. That is not Mm -hmm. true. (laughs) I was completely right. I have to come back to my tools. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't just go away because I'm entering a new phase of life. I have a different relationship with it, which I'm kind of excited about because it's a whole different kind of awareness or perspective that I can look at it and it still takes work. It's just a different kind of work and I have a different kind of appreciation. So for me, I'm really hoping that this is an extra layer of healing for me, but it's hard. Like when, I don't know, like my body doesn't feel like my own right now all the time because- Mm -hmm somebody else is in it,
1: <laughs> you know? Wait, I didn't even know you were pregnant.
0: Yeah, I yeah. I'm 15 and a half weeks pregnant right now. So. Are you kidding me? Congratulations. Yeah, we ran out of puzzles. So I just decided to get knocked up. <laughs> <Ha-ha>.
1: <laughs> you know, it's so crazy that you're bringing this up and we're having this conversation because I wrote in my journal today, like, what are all the beliefs about my life right now that I want to restructure for me to have more ease? And this came up. Like I am terrified of like losing myself or all of my stuff coming up when I get pregnant. Yeah. That's so interesting. It, it
0: does come up. It is a totally different experience right now than it was before. Whereas I beat myself up a lot. Whereas now I still have to transition. Like my body looks differently. I don't have that much control over it. Also, I eat very healthy, like a whole foods, vegan diet usually. Mm-hmm. And... I thought I'm going to be one of those pregnant women who's just super healthy. Like, I don't understand these other people, but I didn't, I didn't ever feel all of the nausea and all the food aversions. And for about two months, the only thing I wanted was like bread and fruit. And like, and it got to a point where I'm like, I'm not going to end up eating if I don't just eat something, one of the things that sounds all right. And if I don't eat, I get sick also. So it was Mm -hmm. like I had to just eat bread. I was eating a ton of non from Indian food places. And so part of me has a guilt for being like, well, I'm not even nourishing my baby that well. I'm not nourishing my body that well. What am I doing? But also trying to give myself grace and being like, come on, like just you're pregnant and you're doing all this other stuff. And now I'm moving into a phase where it's a lot easier to eat healthy but I still really want the, I don't know. It's a whole thing, but mm-hmm. but it's a different kind of healing process with my body where I'm just, it's more about letting go. Whereas before it was more about healing my relationship with food because I don't want to be unhealthy. Like, being, mm-hmm. I can feel my body differently when I'm eating healthy versus when I'm not. That's a big part of my life. And so that's been a struggle because I don't feel that good eating bread all the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But um, I also Mm -hmm. don't feel that good in general. I don't know where it's coming from. But now it's like more about letting go and being like, okay, well, now I'm doing the best I can and my body's going to be changing and I don't like the way it looks in the mirror. It's not that cute bump yet, but (laughs) definitely gained weight. And so I don't know, it's just the whole thing, but I think it's almost a fake kind of healing when you've only healed it within this one container. And so I think that structure is so important in the beginning, just like with any sort of healing, but then the rest of the healing is to learn how to kind of see how you deal outside of that structure when life gets in the way
1: that's it. And I think one of the biggest things is, so I have never subscribed to the body positivity movement because I just don't think it's, useful. And I've gotten a lot of like pushback on that in the last decade. The reasons why I believe it is not useful is because when we are trying to be positive about our body, like body positivity, love your body. But the reality is, is you really don't like your body right now, or maybe you hate your body or you think you're fat or disgusting or whatever is real. If we are trying to just dismiss the reality of what is, and just like focus on the vision of what's possible, we're really missing the point. And so in my healing, I had to accept the fact that I didn't like my body first and really accept that. Like, okay, I'm accepting this. I'm accepting this. I'm accepting this. I'm accepting this. I can still love myself, but there's a reality that I need to face here. And yes, it's because of my mind and where my mind's at. And so I need to work on that. But after that phase, then we need, I needed to get to a place of body neutrality. Like I don't, Love my body, but I I don't hate it anymore because I've done the work to get here. And then from there, we can slowly and slowly and slowly and slowly build on developing deeper amounts of body love as we increase embodiment. Like in my experience, the the more embodied I am, like connected to my heart, connected to my intuition, feeling all of my triggers, being in my pain, being in my anxiety, and just just learning to create spaciousness for all of it to be there, the less I am hard on my physical body. But when I'm disconnected from that, I just take all of my fear from my mind and project it onto my physical body because it's the the most obvious place to... It's obvious because it's so visual.
0: Right. What I love about that is there's not one way to... Develop this healing with you and your body if you're having struggles with it. So, maybe some people do need, like, they feel like it really works when they're just doing affirmations about their bodies. Mm. And then to the next person, it might feel fake. And so they can never buy into it. Mm. And I do that same thing. I need stages of things, kind of like how you just described, where I'm like, okay, well, where am I at today? And how can I connect to it today? And a lot of times, when you, yeah, when you're connecting with your body, it's like realizing that your body isn't just there for looks, which is not the message that we're given most of our lives. Mm -hmm. And so actually this morning I was doing a little yoga session and I was in plow pose. And so all I see is my belly and it's just like (laughs) in my face. And I'm like, Oh, I could feel myself like feeling first disgust. And so I sat there in plow pose and I was like, I'm, I'm so grateful for my body for allowing me to give life. I'm so grateful for my body for allowing me to move through the world. I'm so, and everything else other than the attractiveness of, of it. And it did kind of shift how I felt. It didn't heal it completely. But I am the, just the type of person where moment to moment, I might need a totally different tool because I like burn myself out of one or I stop believing one or it starts feeling robotic or whatever it is.
1: Yeah. it's We are so fluid in our relationships and, and everything is so fluid. And especially as women, we go through so many different cycles just just in one day. And so learning to attune to what is the medicine that you need when those triggers come up and knowing that to your point, it's like those tools are going to shift and change as well. And I think when I was going through my healing journey, all the tools that I use were very like external tools. We'll go for a walk or a journal about it or whatever it is. And for for me, the thing that worked the best was just being in my body and really leaning into the pain of of what was. And the more that I did that and the more I showed up for myself in that way, the less the grip of
0: the the tension was in my system. Right. So given that you've gone through such a healing process, do you still have these issues that come back up? And what do you usually find is triggering it? Yeah, of course. It's so interesting.
1: Anytime that I'm in like a body shaming position, I first need to have the realization to know that it's not my body and there's something else in my life that is not really in alignment or there's something that's not um, clicking in. So I'll sort of do like a little life inventory of like, what is unsaid in my relationship or what's coming up there? And just like really navigate to see if there's anything there what about in my business? Where where might I be saying yes when I mean no? Or like where am I pushing boundaries? Or where am I not being honoring of myself and just really looking at all of the other things that it could be? Because for so long it was like, okay, my life is a mess and it's my it's my body's fault. And now I have from going th- through this, it's like I have the wisdom now to know, okay, it's it's not that. And if I feel uncomfortable in my body, well, where are the other ways in my life that I feel uncomfortable? And yeah. how can I tune into those other things? So I I create more comfort in my body. It's just so interesting. I've been 30 pounds heavier than I am now. And I have felt like amazing and comfortable and complete. And then I've been 15 pounds smaller and I've felt obese. So it, it just goes to show that it's like, it, that is that body dysmorphia piece of how much is it the body or how much is it The rest of what's going on that's being projected onto the body.
0: What I find so interesting is you have this one moment where you're like, that's the moment I decided that I hated my body. And for me, I have a moment too. It always seems so insignificant to where I've thought back to that moment and I'm like, that can't be the thing that created all of this. But oftentimes I think it is these because we assume it's going to be some big trauma, but it's a littler one and we internalized it and we made the trauma bigger. And so for me, I was always underweight. Like I remember being like 49 pounds till like sixth grade. And I was, I was just like, why am I so small? And then one kid who had a crush on me and I rejected him in sixth grade told me I was fat. And I, mm-hmm. it's like the colors around me shifted. I like mm-hmm. the memory of that almost went from like wow. color to black and white in just a moment. And from that moment on, I had body issues. And then there's some people that can go through life and, be called certain things, and they never internalize it in that way. I wonder what it is that really differentiates those of us who make it a whole thing and those of us who don't. And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back. No questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard, and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash mindlove today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash mindlove. I wonder what it is that really differentiates those of us who make it a whole thing and those of us who don't.
1: I think it's the same thing as adulthood. It's, it's like having a structured sense of self or not, you know? And I think as we, like as children like how much are we anchoring in our our sense of self and building ourselves up you know I, we're so malleable at that age that we can take one comment that someone says on the playground and just be like oh that's my identity now that's me and that that's what tends to happen you know and there's so many people who have that one moment and that one story of someone calling them fat or someone saying that they're ugly or whatever it is and that becomes the narrative and then in our adult life we have to work to to get rid of that. And I think one of the greatest things that we can do as, as adults is really anchor into our structured, like our sense of self to go like, who am I really? And what do I really stand for? And what do I stand behind? And how can I stick up for myself so that anything that anyone says is just irrelevant? You and I are both have platforms and things like that. And not everyone agrees with everything that we say all the time, right? And so when we receive those, those comments, how can we allow that comment to just like slip off our backs To go, that is not in resonance. That's not in, vi- in vibration with who I am. So I'm not going to be affected by-, by that. And I think this is a skill and it's one that I'm still working on because it's really challenging to receive those comments and not be like, Oh, Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And I think that's one of my, you know, that's one of my, my greatest, um, pieces, like my greatest, like growth edges right now is developing that sense of self. But as children, again, we're so spongy and we absorb things and we're so malleable and flexible when it comes to like who we are. And so much as we look to our external world to tell us who we are. So that can be like a really traumatic moment. But as adults, we have a deeper capacity because we we can intentionally do this work.
0: I was just listening to somebody speak about how we're all one. We like everything's one. That's one of my spiritual beliefs. But at the same time, when you're looking at somebody with judgment, just know that they are you just under a different set of circumstances, a different set of life experiences, a different uh, different parents, all of those things. And so it's like, I'm curious how much when we're finding who we are, there's so much of it that actually is absorbed from what we see around us and what we resonate with. And at a young age, I think it's even harder. Like, I am curious, is there a way to teach somebody when they're younger that information? Like I think about... When you and I start our commune that we've been talking about and we have a school there, there's going to be like a (laughs) sense of (laughs) 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 self-class, you know, so people can like learn. Or is it something that has to come with age? Like, I don't even know if I could have been taught those things because there was such a profound shift when I started to get closer to age like 30. So
1: I think when we allow children to direct the narrative of who they are and, and bring that out, that's what ultimately creates this. And so children are so smart. They're way smarter than us. Like your little one's going to teach you more than you'll ever teach it. Right. Do you know if you're having a girl or boy, boy,
0: his name's, oh, <laughs> bro, oh,
1: are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I can't, I can't wait to smile. <laughs> so he is going to be teaching you so much more than you'll teach him because this next generation is, is way more woke, you know, like their, their consciousness is way more evolved than, than us. And so when, when children are navigating the world and, and finding out new things and finding out what they love, it's like, as parents, our responsibility is to just pull those things out of them and amplify them and give them full permission to step into them. Now, unfortunately, that's not what happens with a lot of parents because they will suppress our kids or try and control them or say, you can't do this, or you shouldn't wear pink tights or whatever it is. And so the more that we can allow children to have the creative capacity and ability to make those decisions, that's what creates that sense of self at a young age. Now, again, not every parent knows that. And so it, it, it kind of is like that stripped away. And then we're sort of like malleable to to the world and the world's projections onto us, then we become what the world projects onto us. And then later, if we have the discernment and the willingness to do so, we'll try and break away a lot of those structures to create who we actually are. And that's You know, a lot of your listeners are doing this. You and I are doing this. It's like we want to find that purest essence of who we actually are at the core. So, what do we need to strip away in order to actually reveal?
0: Right. I was actually just reading something about Will Smith and Jada about how they don't have punishments for their kids. Like they just allow them to be. So, they've been making their decisions from a really young age. And like one of their kids decided to get emancipated at age 16, but even stayed in the home because. It was more because he wanted that energetic, like, okay, I've been leading my own life for years now. I just need this last kind of symbolic thing, but I love my parents. We have a great relationship. I'm still staying here type thing. I was like, that's really interesting. I love differing perspectives on how to even raise children. I also was going down the rabbit hole of internet addiction and reading an article about Will and Jada, which then brings me back to to the whole, because that comes back to kind of, connecting with your body versus the consuming culture. And I do think that we are so tempted with just constantly consuming, especially the next generation. I mean, I am so glad I didn't have an iPhone until I was in my 20s, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, And then I went to a wedding and I saw these three kids. They were the only three kids at the wedding and they were by the wall, laying down, facing the wall because that's where the plugs were and they were each playing on a phone. And it's like, how do you- So crazy. I wonder how much they're going to grow up being disconnected with their bodies because they're living so much in their heads. And I think that that is why there's such a strong correlation between anxiety, with anxiety and depression right now because those are disorders that happen when you are imbalancing your mind and body.
1: It's interesting. I'm so curious to know the evolution of this next generation because it's in. They are so their consciousness is evolved, but then they're suppressed by the culture and the current narrative of like how we live. And so there's like this really interesting duality that's going on. And I think what we're seeing right now in children, when it comes to like. Yeah, anxiety and depression are on the rise as a suicide. And it's because, like, you and I never had Instagram when we were, you know, 11 years old. There was no comparison on a mass
0: scale like that. It was just within friend groups.
1: And I think, I think there's in a hyper connected world, I think we've just never been less connected. You know, it's like, Man, I can remember in my childhood, it's like, I was never in front of a screen. I was playing in dirt on the trampoline, building forts, like doing all sorts of things. And it's like, it's almost sad that we're stripping kids of the ability to actually do that. And I understand there's like a time and place for screen time to give parents a break. And I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about like the consistent need to be in front of that screen. It's just not realistic. Even even like Eric and I were like talking about how like Instagram is like, it's designed to be addictive, you mm-hmm. know, it's absolutely designed. And even like when I, when I go on Instagram, the mantra that I have every single time I go on Instagram is I- I'm a creator, not a consumer. I'm a creator, not a consumer. And I try and do a really good job of, you know, muting, like I f- like muting people and just not consuming. Cause I can, I can notice that. And as soon as I'm in that vibration of just consumption, my energy is just like, you know, it's like oh, it's like that. I'm like oh, I'm not doing enough, or I should be doing this, or I should be doing like oh, like look at that amazing thing. Like why didn't I think about that? And, and it's like that's crazy because then I'm not listening to the voice. I'm just so caught up in the noise. And I think to your point, it's like this. We're seeing this in children, but we're also seeing this with like our generation and and like you know our our friends and people like our age of like the lack of connection to self, the 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 lack of connection to the sense of self because we are just so in. In our phones and looking outside for the answers and all that kind of stuff. And it's cliche to say, but everything is within, like when we drop the noise and we listen to the voice, it's like, that's all there is, is just truth.
0: Right. Our first instinct, it's like, what about this thing I'm thinking of? Let me Google it. Instead of, let me think if I already know this. Let me totally. see what comes up. And you can feel yes. that difference too. I can do the same thing. And anytime that there's something that can be addictive, I know I need to be very <laughs> careful because it's like my human self is like zoop. <laughs> and so I have to be very cautious with that too. And I can notice it's like I feel my light dimming. Like I bet if there was like some sort of yep. aura camera, you'd just be see it go from like bright purple to like black or something like that. And it show how you connect with other people too, where you think this is social media, it's connecting with other people. Notice how differently you might respond to that person with differing views online versus if you were in front of them, energies connecting, heart open. And you can even do that person-to-person person if somebody's triggering you. If somebody's triggering you, you feel yourself contract. You, you're you in your head. You have tunnel vision. Yeah. And But if you stop and you release your shoulders and envision your heart beaming forward, like some sort of connection between the two of you, mm-hmm. for me, that almost always shifts, even just how I respond. And so I think there's so many ways that we're disconnecting from Not just our bodies, but that human part of ourselves, Mm. the human part of other people, the humanity. And instead, we're almost in this weird digital simulation that we take with us wherever we go.
1: Yeah, it's a computer game. It's a game. Like we're in this game. And, you know, I was chatting the other day to some friends. I'm like, if we just took everyone who argues online and brought them into like a room and, you know, we all had a beer and had some dinner and actually just like spoke about what's going on, we'd have beautiful conversations if we were like our, if our hearts were connected to your point and it's just it's so interesting how like that is not real life. Like we, we don't, we've never communicated like that before. This is all new to our, so it's jacking up our nervous systems and making us feel like attacked and all these things. So we're just like constantly in this sympathetic fight or flight. But when we, when we realize that that is not like, that's just not real life. We're staring into a screen and it's giving our body all these reactions and it's making us think that we're
0: in danger when we're not. So when we are feeling that way, what's mm-hmm. your favorite breath exercise to do to just get a quick reconnection anytime during the day doesn't take a ton of time, but can just really help kind of even that out.
1: So I'm going to, I'm going to explain this in like dimensions. So stay with me for a second. So we've got like the third dimension, right? Which we're all existing in right now, which is very heavy. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of triggers. So there's a lot of humans. And then we kind of go up to the fifth dimension, which is where we feel resource. That's more like spirit energy, higher self energy. And so the breath pattern that I love using is called the triactive breath. So it's the one that you've done. You explained it on the show. So it's, it's in through the belly, up into the chest and out through the mouth. So it sounds like this. (sighs) Yeah, exactly. So you do that for 90 seconds. At the end of that 90 seconds, you take a deep breath in through the nose and you hold at the top. You hold at the top for as long as you can until you access that place of silence and stillness. And what you want to do as you're holding your breath is you want to visualize and imagine yourself sort of like projecting out into the universe, into like the silence and the resource and the just expansion that exists. When we just simply place our awareness there, our body begins to feel resourced. So then releasing the breath and staying with that higher vibration, coming into like a quick minute meditation, and then your energy is completely shifted. So I do that probably 15 times a day. Before podcasts as soon as I go um, before I go on social media um, At the beginning of the day the end of the day like I do it in between meetings because it just like clears my energy field and like allows me to be focused and clear and just work for my intuition so When I don't do that, I just feel emotionally constipated all day to the point where I'm just like constantly taking in all of these experiences, whether it's like, you know, like podcasting or social media or a meeting or if I have to, you know, have a hard conversation with one of my team members or whatever it is. And if I am not clearing that energy every like, you know gosh, like seems like half an hour, hour, whatever it is, then I'm going to just feel super congested. So it's incredible, like three minutes, multiple times a day, or just start with once a day, start with the morning and just see how you go.
0: (laughs) I love that. I'm definitely going to be incorporating Mm. it into my life. I was just Googling, like I need breath work as a habit. Which one do I use? So Mm. this is super helpful. So for everyone who's resonating with you and feels like they're Insta besties like I do, where's the best place for them to connect with you online? (laughs)
1: So the book is available at hungryforhappiness.com book. When you pre-order the book or or purchase the book, you also get access to our 21 day meditation. So you can read the book and then uh, go along with the meditation series. Um, I'm really active on Instagram at Samantha Skelly on Instagram. And from there, you can find Pause Breathwork, which is my breathwork company, and then Hungry for Happiness, which is my food and body company. So it's all there. And then everything lives at hungryforhappiness.com, pausebreathwork.com.
0: All the links from this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 149. So this week, your challenge is to move from the mind into the body. Notice when you feel overwhelmed or stressed or anxious or any of those things that have to do with mental or cognitive processes. And notice when you're giving your power away, when you're allowing your entire mind to be consumed with what everybody else thinks and feels and believes that's exhausting it takes away your power as a creator and we are all creators whether or not you see yourself as creative that's what we're here for to create it doesn't have to look like the typical art or babies or businesses it can just be thoughts or ideas or love and it's kind of like when you stop using a muscle it starts to atrophy Well, the same thing happens with this creative ability, but it's not that you lose it completely. It's that you lose the belief that you can. And so it becomes harder and you need practice and you got to build that muscle. So start just by allowing your ideas to flow. Give yourself some space. Allow yourself the boredom so that these mental processes start to work. And let me know how it goes. I want to know what you thought of this week. So reach out to me on Instagram at MindLoveMelissa. For any of you who left me a review this week, I love you so much. You're invited to my next birthday party. And if you haven't, please leave a five-star review if MindLove brings you value at all. It's one of the easiest ways to give back to the creators who help you in any aspect of your life because it really does make a difference another great way to help out is to share this episode. And then you're not just helping me, you're also helping the person that you're sharing the episode with. So just tap that little share button. And you can also take a screenshot and tag Mind Love Melissa and Mind Love Podcast. So as always, thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week.
1: Thanks for tuning
0: into Your Higher Frequency with MindLove. Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.